Hello, St. George's, and welcome to another episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr of Kales River, along with the chapelries of St. Mark the Evangelist and St. Monica Westbank. I am Lindsay Shooters. I am joined, as always, on this exploration of faith during a time of crisis by Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. But first, before we get into anything, I do want to say that my conversation with Marion will be coming this week. Um, and Father Rodney, how are you today? Hi, Lindsay. I'm doing very well through the grace of God, and so is my family, and I trust the same for you and yours. Uh, yes, yes, definitely. Father Rodney, we are in the American Day of Independence, the 4th of July. That's what we are, are recording this on. Um, I watched Hamilton, the musical. Um, it streamed on Disney Plus this weekend. Um, I got a pirate copy because we don't have Disney Plus in our in our in our country and yeah it was quite poignant that that like those sorts of fights the american revolution and how they formed their government is like coming kind of back to haunt them right now at this moment and we we will touch on something very similar these are thread that we'll carry through in our discussion but if you can please call everybody to prayer and take us through the collect and we'll catch up with our conversation okay the lord be with you and also with you in our welcome to this service through podcast on this, the fifth Sunday of the Pentecost. And we are grateful that we can celebrate our fellowship with God and each other. And through this means, and also uh, being called to a deeper and meaningful intimacy and community with with each other to the glory of God. So let us pray the collect for this week together, remembering that we do so with the churches in Southern Africa. O God, our Savior, you reveal your salvation through Jesus Christ, our wisdom and strength. Teach us to shoulder our burdens and give us the strength to carry each other as you have carried us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, so our readings are Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verse 15 to 25. And then the gospel is Matthew 11, verses 16 to 19, and then 25 to 30. Um, so Paul's writings is all about accepting the fact that we are imperfect as human beings and like what our burden is of sin. Uh, do you want to, to add anything to that idea? Am I on, am I striking the right chord, Father? You are. I, uh, in the video, um, in preparation for the video um, service for, for tomorrow, um, and Paul is... <laughs> Not a very easy person to understand. Yeah. Um, some of my colleagues uh, that I had at seminary often used to say, um, because he was struck by lightning, so <laughs> his writings <laughs> are very intense. But reading through it, and I'm very grateful for the revelation in that Paul uses the, um, the I word to help us understand that what he's writing about is not something abstract, but something that is part of his experience. And here was mm. a great, a great apostle uh, and revered as a saint. And so we, we look up to him. And sometimes we look at apostles and saints as being very perfect beings, and they're not. 
they are ones who are honest about the inner struggle, honest about the battles they're having. And here he's actually saying that uh, uh, I, I struggle with this inner thing. The inner thing is that I so much want to do what is good. And then uh, I don't do it. And mm. so I, I really don't understand what I'm doing. Now, I can imagine the person of the high intellect and educational level that St. Paul has, and he admits to this. And then he says something that I thought was very incredible. Um, sin lives in me. Mm. That, is, that is an incredible statement. It's not something we would uh, say about ourselves. But, but, you, but, but it's almost like, you know, when you have something that your body or your mind or something in you is, is not feeling right. Mm. And then you need to go and have it checked out. Uh, hopefully there is a, a kind of a recommendation. But to get to where the help is, you have to admit to yourself, I need help. Something is not right. I may not understand why I've got this persistent cough or whatever it is, but uh, I need to have it checked out because inevitably what I have could affect other people. So here it calls for acknowledgement to say there is a problem. If my mm -hmm. actions ending up is, 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 is detrimental to me and others, then what is the cause of this? And so I have to accept sin lives in me. Mm. So yes, there, there is admission to our imperfection and what I said in the text was inner struggle, this conflict yeah. between wanting to do good and then actually not being able to. And we now know the reason is sin actually does live within us. And probably that takes us back to the theology of original sin um, in, uh, and, 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 and uh, David particularly saying how in my mother's womb, when you knitted me, I was, I was produced in sin. So, you know, so inevitably sin is part of the human nature, part of the human experience, part of the human condition. It mm. takes us right back then to um, what is known as the fall. You know, mm. Adam, where are you? Did you eat of the fruit? Yeah. Um, it takes yeah. us right back there. Um, which is why, what the, the thing of original sin is. And so can anybody, you know, there's a song, I can't remember the singer's name, um, but he sang a country western song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> remember that? It's yeah. a very catchy tune, but you really have to think about the words, you know, can I dare say to God, Lord, it's hard to be humble because I'm perfect in every way. <laughs> and I think, yeah, the, the thing is, you know, when people would argue, right, so is a baby perfectly born or, or, or what condition is the baby born in? David, when he was an adult, could say, you know, maybe this all happened when I was conceived in my mother's mm. womb. And um, we, we struggled through that uh, at seminary because, you know, you do, you do something called the theology of sin yeah. and, or the doctrine of sin. And then um, what came up was, and it's, again, it's, 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 uh, it's words and their meaning that mm. are so important. So is a baby born perfect? No, it's not born perfect. But we possibly could say that a baby, a baby is still innocent when it's born. Um, you know, I so, don't know. Uh, like, like so that was I, the word I, we came up with. 
I, I have problems with with that that theology. Theology. Um, I read a, a book once called Dark Nature. I forget the author's name, but he, he, I love reading um, books about the world um, written by biologists because biologists have a very black and white view of of the world and the creatures that roam on it. And it's like humans are animals, and if we can see certain behaviors inherent in animals, it's not like they've learned that behavior somewhere. It's just part of survival um so like if i look at, at we have chickens and obviously chickens hens have a pecking order and it's literally called a pecking order because they peck each other <laughs> until mm. they establish the hierarchy and then whenever someone tries to challenge the other then they get pecked down or they peck their way up depending on on which way the, the apple falls that day um okay so then i i still believe that like the moment we can identify or at least accept within ourselves that we are that we are not special in any way we are creatures we are animals we just have an intellect that is of a different nature to 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 what a lot of the other animals are we we have communication and language structures that are far superior to to anything and that's the only thing that really separates us but inherently what are we we are animals and we have certain needs and desires most of that is to increase our number um, and we will do what we need to do to do that but then it's interesting that um, Paul then continues in in verse 24 um, what an unhappy man I am who will rescue me from this body that is taking me to death and then he continues in verse 25 thanks be to God who does this through Lord Jesus Christ this then is my condition. On my own, I can serve God's law only with my mind, while my human nature serves the law of sin. So then is like our default setting, the sinful setting. And we can then only be good by following Christ. Is that, that what I'm reading correct? Well, one of the things, I mean, he's identified his condition as unhappiness. But he also says uh, part of the uh, of the happiness is this inner struggle that's within me. So the inner struggle is there is a desire to serve God's law. There is mm. a desire to do good. So why is it that that I am struggling to be more consistent in my serving of God? Because inevitably, when I serve the laws of God, there is positive, good, and 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 upbuilding outcomes. Mm. When I when I serve my human nature which is the, the service of the law, then where do I end up? What mm. is the, what you know, so when I look at those things, I can see that it's not very good. It's built on selfishness. Now, how do I then, uh, how do I then work this thing out? And so we see, he says, I've got a mind. Mm. What, is, what does the mind do? What, what does the mind um, helps me, help me do? Why can I, with my mind, with my thought processes, decide that God's law is the best choice for me to make. However, the desires within me draw me to, to do the sin. So I've got this conflict in me that makes me unhappy. And so interestingly enough, he calls out for rescue, mm. saying, I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to save myself. So um, it's very interesting that um, in a book called um, The History of, of Thought, mm. of Human Thought, um, 
in their in their prognosis of the of 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 Christendom's uh, victory, as they call it, uh, he says that it's the it's the the doctrine of of salvation um, by faith. So here is I believe this. Now, how did I come to believe this? So he says, Ah, thanks be to God who through our Lord Jesus Christ does this. So, so when I reflect on what Jesus has done, then I look back and say, Well, God sent Jesus, so therefore I am mm. I rationalize mm. that my salvation is is uh, is able because what he did set me free and has caused me now from moving from unhappiness to happiness. And mm -hmm. they say that is what you believe by faith. Now, can faith and, and intellect work separately of each other? Because philosophical thought says rationally, I don't understand how Jesus can be your savior. Yeah. You know, how is it possible that this man goes to the cross and he does what he does, and then you connect it up to the action of God. So the mind, the, the, the intellect, the philosophical viewpoint, he looks at an event and tries to find in there aspects of rationality mm. that, can, that can say, no, this is not so, yes, it is so. Whereas how, how is faith in, in irrational? I don't think faith is irrational. I think faith and the mind, what's, what is Paul saying? When as I come to faith, I am also working it through rationally. I'm working it through with my mind. If I think of my reflection on the doors of God, what am I seeing there? And if I follow that, do I see possible good outcomes? Mm -hmm. If I think about my human nature and I choose and is faith the choice to make either way, therefore I just act uh, and say, well, we are humans and therefore I'm doing this whereas do you not think about what you're going to do because it all comes up in your mind a thought when something you see inspires you whatever way you think about you yeah. now before yeah. you act are going to process that so um can you ever say i come to faith without thinking about why i come to faith that there's no rationality in my decision to believe i i, I think it all works together um to be able to say I'm unhappy. Now I need to understand why I'm unhappy. Because this body is taking me to death. Mm. I've come to understand what is happening. So now I'm looking. I can't save myself. I need the savior. Who has given that? And then when you look at all the savior, the saviors in the world. The gurus of the, of the world we look to. Who else does what he does about sin? Yeah. Jesus. And Jesus is connected to God. And so inevitably, this is an act of God to deal with sin. And what does God do with sin? God then takes, takes, frees the sinner from the sin and its consequences. Your favorite words uh, from last week's text. The wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. Um, you know, so so I think that Paul then goes to the to the deeper level of dealing with this, um, looks at all the possibilities of where salvation comes for us 
and mm. you can only look. It's not in reading a list of laws. It's not in knowing them academically, um, but it's in an action of the divine. And where yeah. did I see yeah. that action happening? When I look to the cross and I see him on the cross, mm. um, we, uh, there's a lovely Advent hymn, or, or uh, a Lenten hymn, sorry, Lenten hymn, we sing the praise of him who died, of him who died upon the cross. Um, and so Paul comes for me, Paul brings, helps me come to that conclusion to acknowledge that I cannot redeem myself. I cannot rescue myself. Only God did, can do this. And so, and has done this fully through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now there's hope for me. Hope mm. that I can, this is now, th this then, after this event, this then, when I focus on this event of God in Jesus Christ, now my condition is that I know I can serve God's laws because I can apply my mind to it. Mm. And by applying my mind, I can believe and act in faith. Uh, but I also now know my human nature still serves the law of sin, so that all the desires and the lusts and, and, and the wants and the greed and all that are still steering me in a particular way, but I can still rationalize it. I said, I'm choosing to serve God based on the action of Jesus Christ. But uh, yeah, that, that's quite yeah. telling, especially with, with Paul's personal journey, where he was a Pharisee who was then converted. Um, so is he maybe reflecting on his own internal struggle? Like maybe he's... He, he still longs to uphold like the traditional values of like the Torah and mm. um, like that, that's what he's learned that what his entire career had shaped him to be like literally mm. he was, mm. he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Mm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, which, absolutely. Which, which is then interesting because then Jesus as, as a Jew, like he was brought up within the Jewish um, traditions preached in the temples, uh, at least spoke in the temples and everything. So he was like well-versed in, in, in the Torah. Um, but through his own experience, he then became enlightened. Uh, okay, just <laughs> need to blanket um, state here that um, I, as I've said before, I, I believe that there is a higher power. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Jesus was <laughs> the son of God. <laughs> Um, I, I respect him as, I mean, there's historical evidence that he was a philosopher who then most likely was enlightened by the bad sides or at least the, the holes in the teachings of the Torah and then started preaching an idea of universal acceptance and universal love, love of each other, treat others the way you want to be treated, not um, enforce some sort of law upon everybody else, like just be, be lecker <laughs> to other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that that's that stood out as a philosophy, and that grew quite the following. Yeah. My question to that would be: Does necessarily being a philosopher lead you to where you give yourself to what you believe? Um, um, where does the divine action come in? Um, only in knowing the philosophical. Um, meanings and its quotes and its ideology, would that lead you to become somebody that says, my philosophy will cure you? 
if you trust what I'm saying. But listen to this. I take you back along the path you actually started here. Paul was was steeped in Torah. Mm-hmm. Torah was given to freed slaves. Mm. And a covenant was created because that Torah, that covenant, was going to shape them to become a people of covenant, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation Mm. to God, right? So that law made all the difference. Knowing that law, studying under various um, renowned scholars, because this was part of the law, you needed to have a scholar. So knowing all of that, then Paul acted on that. Uh, Christianity did not fill the frame of the of, of, of the Torah. They were because they were they were announcing the good news of Jesus. Mm. So you know we need to silence this voice because it's disrupting the, the, the Torah. Then in the in the mind of the philosopher, in, in the mind of the scholar, what I know, what I've studied, what I have what I have uh, uh, um, dissected in order to understand its deeper meaning, in itself therefore becomes the the rod by which I live my life. Mm. Then he has an encounter. And in that encounter on the road of Damascus, um, the voice speaks to him. Now, Mm. not the, the words that were given in the Torah and all that, you know, not only uh, the Torah, but everything that was instructive, you know, the book of, of, of Leviticus and all of those books, Deuteronomy and stuff, that gave impetus to the law and what they, they do, even to the, to the minutest uh, action yeah. that they had to live by, because it dictates the way, it dictated the way they were made to live. Now, he's confronted on the road and, and he says, Hears this voice and he says, Lord, who are you? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And it's Jesus' encounter, Paul's encounter with Jesus that changes him. And it's really interesting. We know Paul turned blind at that stage. Yeah. Why was he blinded? What did he no longer need to see? What was his... Was his philosophical perspective going to be changed as per that road of Damascus experience? Would he look at the law in a new way once his eyes were open? Mm. So why did that encounter on Damascus Road uh, bring Paul out to think differently and to speak differently, to live differently and even to take bold steps that brought him into trouble with the authorities yeah. that eventually um, take him to prison and all the way to Rome and be a very strong vehicle of doing exactly what what was in the Acts of the Apostles at the beginning, um, that the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ would spread from Jerusalem through Samaria uh, to the far ends of the earth. And at that stage, Rome was the far ends of the earth. Mm. So what was that encounter about Jesus that now made Paul look at at things differently? That he, he didn't discard the law, but he looked at it differently. 
Yeah. Uh, everything that was taught of, of him in a particular way, brought into particular action, that experience on the road. So why was it that the encounter with Jesus made the difference, brought the transformation, gave him better insight uh, into what it was really all about? So here it says, I can now serve God's law. Well, that's what he believed when he was doing the Torah. I believe God's law in mm. word. But what was the intention of God's law? Was it really to persecute people? Yeah, and I, I think I think that's that's the that's the transformation that happened with him where when when he started listening to what Jesus had to say and internalizing that, he then saw that the Pharisees at the time were upholding a law that was still perpetuating violence it was perpetuating the ideas of kings and conquering other nations and right. oppressing certain people because of because they're not jewish <laughs> yeah yeah so when god when god said you know i, I i'd like you to become an, a holy nation a kingdom of priests mm. that already begins a process of redemptive, redemptive mission in the world that they were going into that god was going to use them for the purposes, through the law, of bringing other nations to him. Because mm. as priests, they would develop the sense of, of, of worship. As a nation, they would develop the sense of just law and governance. But mm. they failed to, to do that. So, so what then is, what then is the, that, let me put it like this. Does our does our they are therefore saying Jesus was just a philosopher? They try to help us live right. Paul says no, he's more than a philosopher. He is mm. the rescuer. He, you know, I can feed you philosophy, but where will it take you to? Because mm. inside there's a battle that needs rescuing, and so philosophy cannot do that. No matter how much you think about it, how much you revise your your philosophical statements, mm. something more needs to happen. And that more that needs to happen is where Jesus comes in for Paul. And that's mm. where Jesus comes mm. in for And that's where um, I, I would say, yes, it's still a mystery how we would define Jesus. But there's no doubt in my mind that... Um, and, and of course, how, how do we express Trinity? How do we express the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Mm. Um, you know, our words fail us. But um, if, I, if I were to use any words to explain this, and yet even that is out of my range, mm. then the Gospel of John and its prologue gives me a sense of how Jesus is connected to God. In the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God, and and so and then that word, so inevitably, Jesus is the is God coming to us. But again, your words just fail us. Um, Paul's words here are very helpful in the way that he says, you know, thanks be to God who acted. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now was Jesus therefore just the person through whom he acted? Or mm. was Jesus God doing what only God can do? And that is to bring us to rescue. So I'm very fascinated, for example, um, how 
people read by the scripture as a philosophical um, document and text. Yeah. When yeah. it's fine to have the philosophy, but does philosophy lead you to a faith and therefore a choice and therefore an action? Or does philosophy <laughs> just be rationalizing life? It's rationalizing life and then deciding what you want to add to those philosophies and which parts you are going to carry with you like going forward. I, I think like that evolution of, of human thought and human understanding is, is, is the most important thing that we have in the world. So can one, can, can one therefore say then in the philosophy, I, I think this, therefore I believe? Mm. I think therefore I am. But you see, that's where philosophy will argue, no, philosophy would say, is faith rational? How can I believe when all I have to do is to rationalize through something? There's no doubt about me, the process doesn't stop there. The process takes us to a point of faith. To act upon what we claim, we've rationalized and worked through. Mm. You know, um, I find it very, very interesting that um, I've got a cousin who's who's a maths teacher. And in my um, maths years, I never heard the terminology they were using in, 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 in later development of maths. But he said, mathematics is nothing else but logic. Hmm. So it's not about getting from the, from the, 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 the formula or from the, um, the problem question to the answer. It is how you follow the logic from there through to getting the answer. Mm. So the steps of logic, if this is what I'm being asked, how do I now dissect that in order to say, why is X equal to one? Yeah. yeah. And once I get to the answer, having followed the logical steps, what I, I've discovered then must be the action that so once I say if I'm able now to prove that x is equal to one, now my application of why how x is into one I've got I then have to apply it to whatever I'm applying it to. Yes. That's the act of faith. Once we've worked through all the yeah the log steps that is yeah we could take it to, to Paul's thing. I'm an unhappy man. My body is leading me to death. Mm. That saddens me. So what am I going to do about this? I need rescue. Who will rescue me means I can't rescue myself. I need a rescuer. So he's worked it through, let's say, the mathematical logistical steps. Mm. Ah, something did happen. God acted through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, X is equal to one. <laughs> now my condition has changed. My condition has changed. My condition tells ah, I can apply myself to serving God by my mind, which is at the core of my being. Mm -hmm. It will lead me to believe. But I also realize that my human nature will follow the law of sin. Sadly, that is going to be there. But I can work through it and diminish that power in my life because mm -hmm. God has acted in Jesus Christ. But he could have taken the, the equation further. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to add like one thing thing to you. I, I, I love the, the whole, the, the coming to the answer and then that being the action, then call, needing an action to then apply it to whatever 
you were applying the equation to. So like maths is just a language. It's a language that we understand science in. Um, so so yeah, that that's all on point and I have no problems there. But then it's interesting that in, in the, the gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus then refers to the wisdom of the children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to each other and rightfully calling him out as a glutton and a friend of the tax collectors and the sinners and knowing that there is a problem with that established um, society, that established status quo, that we maybe do not need those people in the world, or at least in the cruel sense that they were then, but yet Jesus was befriending them and trying to change everything from the inside. And then he says, like, to preface all of this, um, but to what will I compare this generation? So I, I fast forward this to like the moment that we're in right now, where there are a lot of causes being fought by the current generation who are who have now evolved the thoughts, evolved the philosophies and said, you know what, there are a couple of holes here. There are a couple of problems in the way society is um, being set up. Um, maybe we should change this, tear down the statues, <laughs> if you will. Um, do you have anything to, to, to add to that idea? Yeah. Well, you know, I find that question, to what, to what shall I compare this generation? Uh, is there a comparison? Do you compare it, therefore, with, with a previous generation? Do mm. you uh, compare it to, in your thought, what is a possible generation that is better than this? So I, I think it's a very prevalent question because we need to ask ourselves, um, what is our generation, uh, or, or this question that is in the American um, media right at the moment now, how will history judge our generation? Mm. And and Jesus talks about, about all of this, but he makes the comparison and he says that the way that you come to define it, the language you use, to define actions. So, for example, this generation says, you dance to the music that I play. Mm. When we are wailing, you need to mourn. But yes. you didn't do that. Now, why did you not dance to my music? And why did you not mourn when I was crying? Um, now, that for me is very, very striking because new generations do not want to dance to the tunes of the older generations. Mm. They want to dance mm. to newer tunes that they've discovered. But then the generation that preceded that enters, is part of the generation that they are part of, because it uses the word like children sitting in the marketplace. Yeah. So he's yeah. referring to the generation as being the youth of that generation, making the possible changes or wanting to make the possible changes. Mm. Are these the children of the current generation or are they are the children of the previous generation? Because those children in the current generation were taught by those in the previous generation. Yes. What yes. learnings have they taken over? Now, one of the things about, for example, the American thing that is going on now, why statues are being removed, um, one, one historian was saying, it's because history was taught incorrectly, that mm. people believed these were the heroes that they were actually not. 
So again, in our generation, you spoke about your love for reading the biologists. Mm. Now, we have to listen to what biologists are saying. We have to listen to what historians are saying, but we have to listen to philosophers and you, you take the whole gambit. Yeah. Gambit. But the point is, are we talking from our bias? Or are we trying to connect all the dots and give a more wholesome uh, uh, aspect of, of what life is about? So let's go quickly to, therefore, your point here. Now, they interpreted John looking back. Right? Mm. The text says he came eating and drinking. Look what, how ex they exaggerated for their own means mm. what John was doing. They say, look, a glutton. Yeah. The text says he was eating, which is a normal behavior. Mm. Why would they exaggerate it to gluttony? Because they don't have. <laughs> right. <laughs> then he's drinking, which is normal to do when you're eating. And in that society, probably wine was part of your meal. Mm -hmm. He's a drunkard. Mm. So the exaggeration, therefore. Then he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So our biases and prejudices, he has seeming to... Um, tell the society that we are wrong when he embraces whom we've defined as the scum of the earth, yeah. tax collectors and sinners. So how is it, therefore, that we, we can only look at the son of man as being a glutton, a drunkard, because he's not, he's not doing what our generation wants him to do. Mm. So mm. now we have to incorrectly define him. We, we are writing a historical uh, discourse on the Son of Man, but these are the ways we're going to describe him. Drunkard, glutton, friend of sinners and tax collectors. So in other words, we're giving you a window through which you need to read the history of the Son of Man. Mm. But the text mm. says he was eating and drinking. He was befriending. He was helping people to find the kingdom of God, to find God. But who writes the story? who pontificates about who the Son of Man is and what he does. So this generation, therefore, and it says here, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Mm -hmm. So whilst you may have pontificated your discourse, what is your deeds saying? Mm -hmm. so in other words, you may even have misinterpreted what you have said. Because your deeds are saying something different. Your actions are revealing something different. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's in other words, who writes history? Mm. Was Jesus asking an historical question when he said, what shall I compare this generation? Was, was the people saying, and they say, telling us what they thought of the Son of Man and how we should interpret it. Um, at the end of the day, Jesus goes on to say, well, it's obvious that the way that they assumed the story and told it does not gel with what God has revealed 
to infants. Mm. Our God has, and you know, that, that for me, that's a very powerful statement. Uh, how, how is God? There are many things in the evolution of thought and research that are hidden, which still has to be revealed. Mm. Who reveals it? Who opens up the real treasure box? How is it that we can only know to a certain part and claim to know? So yet again, is that inevitable thing? But what did God do? Paul says he brought about the rescue through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, even though there are intelligent people and wise people in our society, does it mean that they've received the full revelation? Because God is able to let infants understand better. So what I see here is Jesus turning the whole generation upside down mm. and saying, in other words, I'm, God doesn't dance to your music. God doesn't mourn when you are crying over your spoke milk. Because if he was to buy into your craziness, the world will continue to be crazy. Mm. And he, and he, he, in verse 29, he does say that, um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. And the, and the yoke in that story is understood to be the teaching of Jesus. Mm. And the image I got as I as I listened as I listened to that text again was how you are yoked side by side. Mm. So inevitably Jesus comes alongside us, comes and walks with us, and steers us. You know, when I want to go into a particular way that is going to end up with craziness, his teaching brings me back. So yeah, yeah, Matthew does give us the sense that Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is the teacher and he's, um, and I mean, as we struggle against his teaching, we do learn that uh, our own things are not going to get us through. Learn from me. So there's a, a sense of calling us to humility because, you know, le learning is about being humble because we don't know everything. What else? I like about this is the fact that he says not so much what my teaching is about. He says, I am. Mm. So how much of what our, our teachers teach us do we remember over against who they were mm. and the effect that they had in our lives? Um, and many of us you know, have a sense of call to go into a particular profession based on not what we've come to know about the subject as much as I'm inspired because of the way he or she taught me. Just mm. the way that they exuded that particular career makes me want to become like them. So what is life all about? Yes, it's learning, 
But the learning is not abstract. It's not just a philosophical mindset thing. Mm. It is how we are growing in our hearts and in our souls, in our persons and in our character. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. said that, don't judge my children by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm. Um, So... Does philosophy, therefore, help me to develop the characters, that character uh, that I need to be, the characteristics that I need to have within me? Does it give me that, 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 that um, um, the, the kind of person I'm, I'm supposed to be becoming? Yes, it has an important role to play because we need rationality. Mm. But it takes us to the point of... Um, who we are becoming, and Jesus says, I am humble and gentle in heart. That's who I am. And in me, you will find best for your soul. So now he's calling us into a relationship. And he's mm. even saying further, gives, he says, you know, it's not, as, it's not so difficult, really. My yoke is easy. You know, but the I... burden that, <laughs> that you, that you, the complications of life that you make it sound like. Uh, to us he's saying we make it difficult and complicated but I'm offering you is not as complicated as you think it is sorry Lindsay you wanted to um, yeah so so um, the, uh, there was something that you said there that like with like in me when, when Jesus says he's, he's inferring that in him is like the comfort and rest for your soul uh, where I, I think it's yeah. more him referring to like use my example and be like me and like i think that that that's what he's saying there when when you become like me then you will find rest and you'll find that like the yoke isn't that the the example that i'm putting before you is not that difficult as i just love one another <laughs> the way i loved you okay yeah Let, let's take let's, let's take that the, the the apple doesn't fall far from the trees often the phrase that is used of a child Yes. Related to a parent. Right. Now, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Where was the apple first? What was the process taken towards where the apple became the apple? Mm. The association, the relationship, the connection, the intimacy and all of that. Mm. So your son or daughter doesn't become like you from a distance Mm. in an abstract way it's in relationship to you that they experience the quality of your character the content of your mind Mm. the um the 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 world view that you have through your communication what they experience through your choices so do i just look at jesus and say that's example i'm going to follow now i follow it no i can't do it without being in in connection with him in relation to him so that's so then therefore jesus becomes more than just an example i'm following The, the mystery about that is in the event of a relationship. Mm. And that for me 
When we're in relationship with Jesus, what then do we discover? You will find rest for your souls because in that relationship with me, you're going to notice that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. You will, yeah, I, you will. So do, does that... I think we 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 kind of saying the same thing, but just <laughs> I, I I think my my bias against that that intimacy with Jesus is 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 coming forth here because like I I'm I'm a big proponent of of walking the talk, so like through the the classical philosophies, for instance, I found a lot of um, I identified a lot with with Stoicism, um, but Stoicism has a very 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 heavy yeah. burden. When when it comes to like certain things that you then have to purge from your lifestyle and all forms of like hedonism that you then need to. Yes. And I, I don't, I lack the discipline for that. So I kind of cherry pick okay. <laughs> what I want from, from stoicism. But then like to, to uh, I actually had a, a conversation with, with another friend of mine, yeah, a friend of mine who, who is an editor of a magazine that I write for. And he identifies with Stoicism as well. And I asked him the one day, like he posted something like a Stoic um, tenant. And then I asked him about it and and he was saying, yeah, yeah, he's a Stoic. And I was like, well, Stoic Stoicism wasn't fully for me because like just the same way that Rastafarianism is not fully for me, although I enjoy a lot of uh, teachings from from that philosophy, but the whole vegetarianism again, <laughs> I kind of turn away from that. So I've always like Christianity. There are things that like the, the preaching of universal love and inclusiveness uh, that that is very very, but it, it's very enticing. It's very natural for me to kind of live that way. But then it's it's when you decide to follow a certain philosophy to then stick holy to that philosophy is is a lot of is the time where a lot of people like fall down and yeah i mean we are people so we mm. we need to understand that that that's our burden to bear is that we might not we we will lack the the discipline as laid out by the aristotles by the brutuses of the world who founded those of the jesus of the world who founded those various philosophies yeah but it's good to aspire to something i think but you see, yeah, I, what my, my journey has taught me that um, the, I mean, when I look at being part of the struggle during apartheid and against apartheid, um, identify with Jesus who walked the streets, the dusty roads, where and into communities where where people knew no other but slavery and oppression mm. and he touches their lives in some way and the immediate thing was not to follow his example but to follow him mm. why follow him was the important thing when inevitably that road would lead to death they yet, didn't know it at they the time. Followed, they followed him. No, sure, they, <laughs> they didn't. didn't know it at the time. You know, so so inevitably when we looked at, uh, and I mean, look, we are at the bottom end of those who struggled against our, 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 our unjust system. Mm -hmm. And we know that blood flowed from these victims who became our martyrs. Um, but we didn't look to them as the, they may be martyrs, but they're not saviors. Mm. I had to constantly tell myself and understand Mr. Mandela is not a savior. Mm. 
Mr. Mandela acknowledged that, you know. Um, so being part of the action is like the disciples, you know, they were part of the action. When you bring the cause of justice of the, of the kingdom of God, one could say like in Jesus, to the courts of uh, human decision, you either going to be exonerated and say your cause is just, therefore you can continue, mm. or you're going to be put to death. And so, inevitably, and it's amazing some of the stuff that we sang during that time, everything about it was Christ-centered. Mm. It was amazing. Everything about it was Christ-centered. When we were sitting in, in, in the cell, um, the Friday, there was this mixture of people. Of course, the whites were put in their own single cells. Uh, this was the joy of being part of the oppressed because you were all put into to, to a cell where you were together in community. That mm. was the flawed mm. system of the society. The whites moaned after this because they couldn't even see one another. They had to shout to find out where the other was off. We could look at, we slept next to each other on mm. chase fruit mm. blankets, um, chase fruit smelling blankets. The two things that stood out for me in the cause of struggle, even though we are now behind bars for a time, was on the Friday, on the Friday. Now, here we were bringing down the statues of apartheid. Mm. Here we were beginning to look at breaking down a system with our bodies on the line. And the Muslim, two Muslim people that were in the one was the, 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 the chairperson of the MJC, the Muslim Judicial Council. Mm. <laughs> and they asked for a time where they could do their prayers. And there was an accommodation, even though the rest of us were all Christian. Yeah. When, we, yeah. when we also, in our silence, observed their need for prayer and worship. On the Sunday, we had our opportunity and we wondered how we were going to do this. Um, I mean, I was part of the liturgical team, I remembered. We used the bread that the prison poured it to us. <laughs> with its mixed fruit jam on it and try to <laughs> use the pieces that were not full of jam. Because in that struggle, where bodies were on the line, we didn't know what's going to happen to us. It was the body of Jesus that mattered, mm. that was broken. We didn't have regular red wine. Um, the, 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 the elder... Minister amongst us was Abel Hendrickson. He had apple juice that his wife had given for to him. Apple mm. juice became the communion wine. But what was striking about it was that the the MJC chairperson, Muslim person, asked for us to sing a particular hymn that he had learned when he was at school in Wesley. And here he was part of the liturgical team because he offered a hymn. You know, mm. in Corinthians, we have to bring a hymn, we have to bring a prayer, we have to bring a song. Yeah. Here was this happening to break down the statutes, to not sing the same tune 
and dance to the same tune that the system was playing. To not, to not mourn their losses uh, of, 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 um, of power, of greed, of separation, but to mourn what the systems was doing to our, to our nation. And here in that little cell in the A block, we had broken the bread, prison bread, prisoner's bread, because we were singing to the song of him who God has sent to rescue us. And in the Eucharistic action, we were saying, thanks be to God. And in the affirmation of the, of the, of the, um, the Eucharist in that prison cell, we hear this, come to me, those who are weary mm. of this struggle that has cost lives over 300 years, burdens that had to be carried generational tiredness of the struggle and fight. And take my yoke, learn from me. So we were trying to then implement. The other side was saying, we also know the Bible. Mm. You know, just before we were picked up, we decided we were, when they said we must disperse, we, we decided we we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, kneeling on the tar, tar of the roads. Those people allowed us to pray until the end. Soon as we said the amen and roast our legs, they said, attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe on the outside there was this fear and trembling. But what kept our souls in check? What made us believe that his yoke was the one we must take on us, even if it meant imprisonment? Um, it was way easier than the yoke that the system was wanting us to dance to. It was liberating. It was freeing as we learned from that. And so how does that offer then current, the current generation? Um, there is a song in the in the in the Psalms that says, "How could we sing a uh, uh, How could we sing the Lord's song in a strange land?" Mm. And yet we were in our motherland. What was the Lord's song in our motherland? We were not sitting at the rivers of the oppressors who took over our country to break it up. Um, we were sitting at the the rivers of fellow citizens who were oppressing us. Mm. But what brought us through all of that was what Paul said, who will rescue us from the unhappiness of us, of our injustices? And he says, only God can do that because he who is Jesus took flesh and dwelt amongst us. Not as an example to follow, but as a savior to come to. Yeah, and if you could just take us through a couple of other reflections that um, through through the prayers for the coming week. 
The intention of our prayers, Lindsay, is to do it as friends of Christ and also to hold up each other as sisters and brothers who pray because we love our neighbors as we love ourselves and to petition God on behalf of the church and the world. And this week we are giving thanks to, the, to, to your Lord with our whole hearts, seeking to glorify your name forever. That is why we pray, gentle Lord Jesus, you are humble in heart and true security is found in your service. So bring your church currently scattered because of COVID-19 into the space to breathe amidst turmoil and clamor. Hush the voices of discord and loathing. Lord, to you we give thanks with our whole hearts as we seek to glorify you there. And so we pray, gentle Lord Jesus, you sought to distort and attack, some sort to distort and attack you, whatever you said or did, vindicate wise counsel and further the cause of justice and truth. Please give us strength that we know and do what is right. We think of uh, this COVID times. In giving thanks to your Lord with our hearts, our whole hearts, and seeking to glorify your name, we pray that gentle Lord Jesus will give us grace to share his love and to delight in its warmth. We ask you to bless all who influence the youth. Encourage us with the fun, laughter, and playfulness of young people. As we give thanks to you, Lord, with our whole hearts and glorify your name forever. At your feet we lay our heavy burdens. Please create, recreate us in your love and devotion. Bring life out of death and hope out of despair. Turn our sorrow into dancing and our mourning into song and restore your image and glory in all who have entered into your eternal rest. And this week we remember Denise Cain Cross. Um, many others who have died of the COVID-19 and those who are hospitalized or those isolated and in quarantine. We pray, author of life and heal of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And so, Lindsay, we conclude with the commissioning and blessing. So as we continue our lives, uh, let our hearts be secure through every human experience and season. Let our hearts be secure in seasons of anguish as in seasons of joy, in seasons of failure as in seasons of success, in seasons of uncertainty as in seasons of security. Let our hearts be secure, and in this dual reality, we are worthy recipients of love and support. 
we can never earn and we are worthy providers of love and support others cannot earn. So let our hearts be secure or hearts know and understand and will respond if it's invited in. May the rhythms of our coming together, the melodies of our worship and the harmonies both of our greetings and farewells make musical our living, soothing our spirits and uplifting our souls this day and into the beckoning future. My sisters and brothers, keep safe. Remember, we have to ensure that COVID doesn't spread further than it is spreading. Let us be compliant as far as we possibly can in our homes and when we go out. Thank you again for ensuring that the church continues to um, uh, function in spite of our not coming together and you celebrating your birthday anniversary this week. God bless you and uh, keep you. So thank you for joining us. Until next time.